Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Okay, so it's Spring Forward Sunday, and uh, I can definitely feel it from here. You know, like I, I always wonder, uh, like who got to make the decision when we actually sprung forward? You know, like what, what genius named Doug was like, you know what, I think it's going to be between two and three in the morning so that we'll lose an hour of sleep. And then I wonder if sometimes like, you know, like another person, maybe his friend was like, hey, hey, Doug, let's do this between two and three in the afternoon. It really doesn't affect us very much. Two and three in the afternoon. Uh, I thought that was funny. I guess it's not funny to the rest of us. But if you would open it up to Proverbs chapter one, I'm going to X that out of the script for the second service. Uh, so Proverbs chapter one, uh, starting in verse one. And, and before we, we jump into the scripture, uh, Lindsay and I, before uh, we started dating, we went to a, a place called Glorietta. Now, Glorietta is a campground in New Mexico, real close to Santa Fe, and it hosts this week called Collegiate Week. So this is uh, 2001. Uh, Lindsay and I, I'm interning at a church in the woodlands. At the very end of the summer, uh, we're driving all the way across Texas, get, finally get to Glorietta. And here is what the mission statement is, or like the description statement for Collegiate Week at Glorietta. It says this, it's a gathering of thousands of college students for teaching, worship, renewal, and fellowship so they can have an impact for Christ on their college campuses. And so in other words, it's a great place to find your spouse. That's really a great place to find your spouse. And so Lindsay and I, uh, we go to Collegiate Week, and then we're walking up. And one of the things you do at Collegiate Week as you walk up is there's this sign uh, for a hiking trail uh, to Mount Baldy. And so we look up, and we're like thinking it would be kind of cool. So a group of us start making this five-mile trek uh, up the mountain to go to Mount Baldy. And so we kind of traverse back and forth the landscape of this trail. We get all the way to the top. We take in the views. We take some pictures. This is before selfies really became a thing. We all had our disposable cameras, if you remember what those are. And so we're going. We take pictures, and we start our journey down. Now, as we start our journey down, I I see these ominous clouds uh, kind of towards the east of us, but I don't think much about it because I'm a college student, 21 years old. I'm indestructible at the moment. And so our group of 20 starts traversing back down the same trail that we came up. And and as we're going down the trail, it starts sprinkling a little bit. I'm like, hey, you know, this is kind of cool. You know, we're still kind of hot from the journey all the way up to the top of Mount Baldy. And so we're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Well, then uh, that sprinkle becomes a rain. And we're like, okay, this is getting a little, you know, serious. We see some lightning. And then uh, it keeps going and the rain starts um, raining really hard. So now uh, our jog, when it started sprinkling, uh, now has become a full-fledged sprint to get down this mountain. After the rain comes, then hail starts falling down on us. And I don't know if you ever had hail coming down on you period, ever, but it's actually kind of scary because it's like playing dodgeball where you have no chance to win. (laughs) And so we're running down this mountain, and then as we're running, I notice that Lindsay uh, has stopped to tie her shoe. Me, being the interested male, stop so that she's not alone. And so she ties her shoe, and we look back, and we are now the only ones on this mountain. 
Our group has totally left us. I don't know if it was a plan. I don't know if it's because, hey, those two like each other. Let's leave them alone while it's hailing on the mountain. Or I don't know what was happening, but they left us. And so we started running down the mountain. The hail stops. The rain finally subsides. The clouds are gone. And then the sun is out. And we are walking down this path. And we come to a fork in the road. And I don't know what your conversations are with the person you like when there's a fork in the road and you're going left or you're going right and how you choose depends on the direction that you end up. But our conversation, because we were still playing nice with each other, was like, hey, I think it's left. And she goes, yeah, yeah, me too. And so we start walking down to the left and we get about 200 yards down this trail and Lindsay's like, hey, I don't know if this is the right way. I didn't recognize that tree or that bush or this. I don't recognize that turn. And I'm like, no, I'm, Lindsay, I'm pretty sure it's it. And if this conversation was a foreshadow of all the conversations to come, but this particular moment, we're both playing nice still. And so we turn around and we go back to the fork in the road and we start d- discussing what way we need to go. Now, I won't tell you the rest of the story, but I was right. And so, (laughs) but how often at life do we find ourselves at that same place? You've taken the journey up through life, getting a little older, and you're starting a, a descent, and then there's some ominous things happening in life. And you don't quite know what to do, but, but you just keep going down the path that you feel like God has called you to. And then all of a sudden you walk up and there's this decision that has to be made where you need to go right or you need to pick left. You know, maybe it's how you raise your kids. I mean, I don't know about you, but we have four kids and I continually, constantly find myself at a place where I've got to pick right or left. You know, how, how do we raise them to fear and love the Lord? How, how do I keep them from, from, from not being entitled in a generation or in a culture that leads to that entitlement? Hey, what's the best way to introduce a cell phone uh, to that particular child? And I continually find myself at this crossroads of parenting, having to choose one way or the other. Maybe for you right now, it's not kids and maybe it's career. Man, you've gone down this path and you've walked down this journey and and here you are, you're kind of doing your thing and then the next thing you know, you start to feel inside of you this, hey, which direction do I need to go? Do I need to continue down this path or do I need to go in a different direction? How do I handle conflict at the office in a way that's helpful and beneficial? How do I know how to choose which direction, whether this place is still right for me or whether it's not? So, so maybe for you it's not kids or, or career. Uh, maybe it's you, it's for you, it's financially. Where you're continually put in a spot where you just don't know, like, how should I budget? Is it wise to spend my money in that direction? Should I tithe? Uh, Should I give money to this family? Should I support this person going overseas? How should I support them financially? Is this the best financial decision for us? Should I buy that house? All of these things. And and I begin to get overwhelmed because I realize that our decisions, how I make decisions, have direct impact not only on me now, but on my family, my extended family, And where I'm going to end up in the future. 
And, and, and you know, I've heard over and over and over again uh, that hindsight's twenty twenty, and I've used that line a lot of times. But as you stand at the fork in the road, I just have to wonder, is that really how God wants us to go through life? Standing at a fork, wondering if this is the right decision to go, only to know whether or not it was the right decision, a hundred or two hundred yards down the path. Like we're in some kind of weird uh, hunger games that God has placed us inside of. And he says, hey, I just want you to be the last one standing. And you're going to pick whether or not you are or not. I just don't think that's how God wants us to live life. I don't think that's how God is interested in us navigating the path of life. So if that's not true, like how does God want us to walk through life with wisdom? How can we make decisions that, that, that God deems is best for us? And so in the Bible, there's this section of Scripture called wisdom literature. It's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And, and this section of Scripture gives us insight and helps us understand how to thrive in a world that is continually changing. And how to know the direction that God has for us. And so we're going to see today three things. We're going to see the goal that Solomon has for his son. We're going to see the trait that it takes for us to reach that goal. And then we're going to see how that trait is developed inside of our life. So let's start at Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now we've got to stop here and just do a little bit of work. So David was king, had a son named Solomon, had other kids, but we're just going to talk about Solomon right here. David dies, Solomon is heir to the throne. God comes to Solomon and says, hey Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. You name it, I'll give it to you. Solomon looks at God, thinks about it for a little bit, and says, you know what, God, I I need wisdom. As I rule the people of Israel, I need wisdom. And so God says, hey, I will grant that to you, as well as dozens and dozens of other things. So, So when we see here the Proverbs of Solomon, like it's a significant thing that God has gifted this man with unique wisdom. And here's what he says. Solomon writing to his son. Here's what he says. This is the goal. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in why. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. Now, let's break this down. If this is the goal, like what does the goal look like? And it says this. Oh, to know wisdom and instruction. It's this, like Solomon is pleading with his son. Hey, if you could just know wisdom. If you could just listen to my instruction. If you could just discern uh, wise from unwise. Like Ephesians 5.15. He says, oh, if you could know that. 
He's like, oh, if you could just receive instruction. If you could be humble enough to to receive instruction from other people. If you could just be humble enough to listen to the words that I have. And then it says this, to develop in righteousness. To know what God thinks is right. Not only in righteousness and justice, that you can develop a life that has a sense of propriety in it, in making decisions. That you can make fair decisions, that you can be equitable, that you can be known as a person who makes judgments that are fair and that are right. Let the wise hear, oh, that you would increase in learning. That's the goal, that, that you would be humble enough to say that you haven't arrived somewhere. That you would continually find yourself in a place where you are learning, where you are growing. And then this, the one who understands obtains guidance, that you would be guided in such a way. The one who can understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. The, the, the one who can look at something and can say, hey, there's a riddle here, but there is some, a deep truth that is inside of that. Or that is a very wise statement. Let me take this statement and let me apply it to my life over here so that I can have wisdom and I can have truth. Man, I, I read that and I'm like, that's what I want for my life. Right? I mean, I read that and I look at my kids and I'm like, oh, I wish that my kids could maybe just have a couple of those traits. And Lord, if they could have them by seventh grade, that would be awesome. (laughs) I mean, I just, I mean, like I look at that list of things to give prudence to the simple. To be able to discern things uh, that are very complex, but then can discuss them in a really simple way. I'm just thinking, God, that is an amazing goal and that is something that I want for my life. And so the question is, how do we get that? Like, like what does that look like for us to have those things? And Solomon talks about it in verse 7. This is like the thesis statement. So any of the English teachers or people that have taken English, you know, the thesis statement is the direction of your paper, the direction of the book. And this right here is the thesis statements for, or thesis statement for Proverbs. And here's what it says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Solomon writes to his son and says, hey, hey, here's the goal. Here's, here's what you can do. Here's a good way to navigate the paths of life. And if you want these things, there needs to be a healthy fear of the Lord inside of your life. Now, when we hear the word fear, it kind of creates inside of us this, this unique kind of twinge. Because you're like, fear is a pretty unique thing that, that Solomon writes for his son to feel towards God. Because most of us think about fear in the context of being scared of something. 
Like a snake on your porch. Me, very fearful. My wife, she will go kill it. Me, I run away like a scared girl. That's what we think fear is. But, but the Bible actually uses fear and describes fear in, in a very, very different way. We're not going to go over all of them, but there are two specific things that I think we need to understand about fearing the Lord that can lead us to this type of wisdom. Because in the Old Testament especially, the word fear had a direct correlation to a feeling of profound respect or awe of something. It wasn't this fear that I saw something and ran away, but rather it was a fear that that led you to a place where you would actually look deeper. And so it's what the writer, what Solomon is saying here, is not that you're scared of God and you're running away from him, but rather there is an awe or there is a reverence of God that when you look at him, he is so big, he is so mighty, he is so in control, he is so powerful that we can't have any other response but to keep looking and to keep drawing near to him. It's a fear of, it's a reverence and awe. It's this idea that we're looking at something so big that we can't possibly look away. I remember when I was in high school, the summer between my junior and senior year, I was at a youth camp. And I was standing there, and I remember thinking, God, I've never felt this close to you before. And the worship pastor kind of ended the service, and everyone left, and I just couldn't move. I had to stay right where I was. Because I was, God was doing business with me, and, and I needed to stay right there. And I remember in my junior, between my junior and senior year, 17-year-old self, I remember thinking, God, I'm never leaving here. I'm going to be at Hardin-Simmons University in this auditorium for the rest of my life. Because you and me, like we're doing business and I never want to leave this place. And I remember being a little fearful in that moment. But not fearful to run, but rather fearful to keep looking. It's Moses at the burning bush. The bush is on fire. And Moses is kind of walking in like, that's odd. And he looks. And it says in the Bible that when Moses turned his face and looked at the bush, God started talking to him. God drew him near. And so fear of God is this awe and reverence of him. That leads us to run to him. That's why I love that song. How marvelous. How wonderful. And my song will ever be. And that's what makes me afraid. Because I've sung that song since I was this big. And now I've become used to hearing that melody. And used to hearing that. And what scares me to death is that sometimes we become apathetic to the Lord. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's what God did for us. But we've lost the fear that leads to us gazing at him. And so that word fear is awe or reverence. But the the, the second use of fear that I want to talk about in the Old Testament is a rational thought that leads to righteous behavior. 
So, so that God has called us to live in a certain way. And because of our gaze and because of our fear, awe, or reverence of him, it calls us to great obedience. There's a quote and it says this, The fear of the Lord is that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. And read that again. The fear of the Lord is that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. It's his fear that leads to our gaze and drives our actions. So several years ago, I was in Sunnyvale, Texas, celebrating Christmas with my family. My sister lives there and my parents live there. And so we were there a few days after Christmas um, to celebrate. And, and, I, and I don't know what you're like around the holidays, but, but when I get in a house for, for a day or two, I begin to get a little bit of cabin fever. And so we had been at my sister's house for a couple days and, and I was like, you know what, I, I've got to go out for dinner. I don't care where we go, but I just got to go out. And so uh, as we are kind of packing up and, and getting ready to go, uh, all of our phones go off. And it says, uh, tornado warning uh, in your area. And for the life of me, I can never remember what's worse, a watch or a warning. I don't know if you have that same feeling. But my dad is like, hey, uh, son, I don't think we need to go out to eat. And I'm like, dad, I don't think you understand. I need to get out of this house. And I need to go. So we all load up in the car. We drive about 15 minutes to Jason's Deli, and we're eating. Our phones are blowing up with all these tornado warnings, tornado warnings. And honestly, I don't even pay attention to those things, if I'm being really blunt. I don't pay attention to them. And so my phone keeps going off and going off and going off. And I'm like, okay, great, cool, no big deal. We're safe here at Jason's Deli. I'm enjoying my salad and my clam chowder. It's great. So then after dinner, we get in the car and we drive down I-30 um, all the, or, or yeah, I think it's 30, it doesn't really matter, uh, to Forney, Texas to visit a friend. Whole time, phone's going off, phone's blowing up. I'm like, maybe I should pay attention. I'm not really paying attention to it. So we get there, and as soon as we get to my friend's house, the, the tornado sirens start going on. So we all kind of get in the hallway of my friend's house. My daughter, Hallie, just a little anxious, a little nervous, crying, like, what are we doing in the hallway? And she cries, the sirens stop, and we start our journey back home. So on the way home, my brother texts the whole family and says, hey, Angela, his wife's parents live in Rowlett, and they don't have power. I was like, okay, gosh, okay. Man, that's, there really was a tornado. And so the next morning, we get all the way home here, the next morning, uh, I get on Facebook and I see all of these pictures of ruined and destroyed houses in a neighborhood that I used to live in. And I was like, man, this is a big, this was a big tornado. And I started looking at the news and it turns out this was an EF4 tornado. Uh, That doesn't mean much to me either, but... A tornado, uh, it's EF4, is between 207 and 260 miles per hour. And this tornado just so happened 
when we were driving, jumped over the highway we were on, and ended up in this neighborhood, and it leveled and flattened almost an entire neighborhood. And there were some videos of this tornado. And so I remember watching this tornado, not being able to keep my eyes off of it. I'm like, this is the perfect funnel cloud coming down. I mean, this thing, I'm watching earth and wood and houses and cars getting swept up and moved all around from these amateur videos on their cell phones. And I can't stop watching this thing. For a couple hours, I just flip through videos and I search hashtags about this tornado in Rowlett and just start watching and watching and watching. And I realized it was incredibly crazy and not the smartest thing for me to be driving around while my phone was going off. So then a couple days later, we're here in College Station. Tornado warning comes on my phone. What do I do? Everyone get in the closet right now. We are going there. We are staying here. It says 45 minutes. We're going to give it an hour. Grab whatever you need and get in the room. Because my fear led to an all that changed the way I behaved. That's the kind of fear that Solomon is talking about with these people. So the question, if that's the trait, like if that's what God is looking for, if that's what Solomon says, that's the beginning of wisdom, how do we get that inside of our life? Look at Proverbs chapter 2. Here's what it says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Now listen to this, verse 3. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Like Solomon gives us the answer empowered by the Holy Spirit to write down these sayings. He says, listen, if you will call out for insight, if you will seek it like silver, search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God. So he says right here, he says, hey, if you want that type of knowledge, if you want that type of wisdom, then what you need to do is that you need to seek for it. You need to search for it. You need to go out for it. You need to ask God some questions and ask God for wisdom. Ask him for a discerning heart. Because when you seek it, like someone seeks something lost, then God is going to give that wisdom to us. Give us that type of fear. Give us that type of understanding. And you know what I found? That we're really good at talking about seeking the Lord. We're really good about talking about knowing him, talking about pursuing him. But in our actions, we are actually very poor in seeking him with our heart. We're really good at giving it lip service. But in actuality, 
I found that very few people search for it like this psalmist, or this, like Solomon describes. He says to search for it like, a, like you would search for a hidden treasure. My daughter this year got a Fitbit for Christmas, a smartwatch, 11 years old. And she got money, and she thought through everything that she wanted for her life, and she thought, I need something to wear on my wrist that counts my steps. We all have our things. We all have them. So she went out, bought the rose gold Fitbit Altec, I think is what it's called. And she had it, and she wore it every day. Every day. Then there was one Saturday a couple weeks ago where she took it off at a basketball game, gave it to my older daughter, Brooke. And when Hallie went back to ask for it, Brooke said, I don't know where it is. I gave it back to you. And Hallie was like, no, you did not. You did not give this back to me. And Brooke's like, no, no, I gave it back to you. And Hallie's like, no, no, you didn't. And Brooke's like, oh, yeah, it's on, it's on the desk in my room. And Hallie's like, I checked. No, it's not. Where is it? And I will tell you that that Saturday uh, was ruined for me. Because my daughter went on a rampage to find that Fitbit. She looked at Brooke and she said, Brooke, if I, if I don't find this Fitbit, you owe me $150. And Brooke's like, I don't owe you anything. And Hallie's like, yes, you do. And the whole family breaks up and starts tearing our house up. We're looking under couch cushions that Hallie hasn't sat in for years. Then we're looking under them. We're finding all, we're looking at all the nooks and crannies, looking for this Fitbit, and we cannot find it. Sunday comes. Nowhere to be found, this Fitbit. Nowhere. And we're looking, we're doing all these things. I'm, I'm looking in the vacuum cleaner bag for this Fitbit. Because my daughter is like, we are not sleeping, you are not eating, and I will make dad your life miserable till we find this thing. And we kept searching and searching and searching until we found out that my daughter Brooke left it on the stage at the gym. And one of our friends picked it up because they thought it was their daughter's Fitbit and took it home. And we kept looking and looking and looking because what all that because all that mattered that day to my daughter was finding the thing that she bought. And I'm just convinced until we're willing to search for the Lord, like a ten year old is willing to search for something that's worth $150 that she bought for Christmas, we haven't reached this verse yet. Until you're ready to prioritize seeking the Lord. Until you're ready to say no to some social things. Until you're ready uh, to actually get up a little earlier. uh, Until you're ready to maybe stay up a little later. uh, Until you're ready to actually open up the word of God. And I'm talking to myself too. Then we're not really ready to seek the wisdom like Solomon talks about here. And so here's the question that we have to ask. If the goal is... 
That God wants to give us wisdom and we get that wisdom by having a correct fear of him. And as we stand at the crossroads, the question is this. Are we willing to search for the very heart of God? Are we willing to to search for him so that we can thrive in the life that he's called us to live? Or are we just giving it good lip service? And if we're honest... Some of us are a little nervous to, shit, like, to seek the Lord like that because we don't know what he's going to call us to. We're a little nervous that, that, that he's going to say, hey, you got to change that career. Hey, I know you were going down this path, but I'm going to take you somewhere over here. For some of us, it's going to lead us to places we never thought we would go. And we're a little nervous because we're a little comfortable. My, my favorite scene from the Chronicles of Narnia is the kids finally go into Narnia and they're talking to a beaver. And they're talking about Aslan the lion who rules Narnia. And as the kids are talking to the beaver about Aslan the lion, they ask him this question, hey, is he safe? Is, the, is Aslan safe? The beaver looks at him and laughs and says, no, he isn't safe, but he's good. And I'll tell you, God's going to take us on a journey when we start looking and start seeking his wisdom. And I'll tell you, is it safe? No, it's not safe, but it's good. My prayer for us is that we would be people who don't give good lip service to, to searching for God, but rather we would search for the Lord and it would create inside of us an awe and a reverence that leads to an obedience and leads to us walking through life as David, as Solomon wishes his son would walk through life with wisdom, with direction, with prudence, and with equity. God wants that for us. My prayer is that we would seek after it. God, thank you. God, thank you that you don't give us like we don't have a relationship with you only and then it's kind of the end, but rather that relationship uh, leads to you bringing us wisdom, you bringing us direction, and you giving us for your glory wisdom to navigate the paths of life. So God, today I pray that, that our eyes would be open to you that we would get more of a glimpse of who you are and that our fear, our awe, and our reverence of you would lead to a change of action. And God, that even today we would seek you, we would search after you. God, that we wouldn't sleep, we wouldn't end the day without seeking, seeking you diligently. So God, give us power to do that. Give us power to say no to things that we should say no to. Give us power, give us wisdom to say yes to things that we should say yes to. But God, we love you. We trust you. We praise in your son's name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Let's seek the Lord this week so that we can understand the knowledge that he has for us. Thanks.